Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and uh, really excited today about uh, this show. We are going to be talking about special tests of the shoulder. We're going to be talking about the evidence a little bit, also talk about the experience behind it, and uh, we're going to kind of mesh that all together so that we can make you a better diagnostician when it comes to evaluating shoulders. So um, really a lot of interesting things we're going to be uh, diving into today, and I want you to stay till the end of uh, the program, and I'm going to talk to you about our next special guest we're going to be having on our um next episode. So that's going to be a pretty exciting also. So today I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the process I like to use when evaluating shoulders. Now we've had several episodes about, uh, about the shoulder. We've talked about the importance of anatomy, some of the, um, the different diagnoses that we see, but today we're going to be talking about special tests. And I like with everything else, I have this process of how I like to evaluate patients and it could be the knee, the cervical spine, the foot and ankle shoulder. I just have this process that I like to follow that really, really works well for me. And, and I find that over time we've been able to nail the diagnosis a lot better um, by doing a lot of studying and reviewing all these things, but really learning from our mistakes and doing it over and over and over again. So evaluating more and more patients just makes you a better diagnostician. How do you know that you are diagnostically accurate? Well, do your evaluation with your patient. Get them evaluated. Try to figure out in your head what you think they have and confirm that. Confirm that with a, you know, the patient's visit to the orthopedic office and see what the orthopedist says. Or maybe with an MRI or x-ray or any of the diagnostic imaging. And the more often you evaluate patients, the more diagnostically accurate you become, okay? So I know that when I was a young therapist, I had a real tough time trying to sort everything out in my head, like all the special tests and review all the anatomy in my head and all the motions. And, and, and manual muscle testing and the whole nine yards. And, and it was very difficult and very complicated. Well, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to streamline this for you so that you can take all of these special tests, which there's a ton of them. You'll be surprised to know how many there are and figure out which ones are the most accurate, which ones work the best. And maybe what works the best for you is different than what works the best for me. But I'll also talk about what shoulder specialists out there really like also. So trying to nail your diagnosis is very important because as you remember in one of our previous episodes, we talked about how do you communicate with specialists better? Well, if you can diagnose somebody and you hit the diagnosis on the head and you send them over to that orthopedic surgeon, they're going to be more likely to send patients back your in your direction and be more apt to communicate with you more often. So, um, So let's talk about a few rules before we get started. And I call them rules because I think that evaluating the shoulder is a little different than other body parts. I think that it's very easy to aggravate a shoulder. It's very easy to re-tear a rotator cuff that's been repaired um, or even uh, agitate, you know, a, a pre-existing uh, condition. So the first thing you need to remember is that you the provider have a huge mechanical advantage over the patient. Now, you would need to remember this little rotator cuff muscle up here and this bicep tendon is, is really not that large and is at a mechanical disadvantage. So if you start doing manual muscle testing by holding the patient at the wrist and 
putting a lot of force uh, onto that arm while you're doing flexion or abduction or external rotation, you are really stressing a lot of the tissue quite hard. You need to remember that if you externally rotate the patient in the pitcher's position really hard, you're stressing that anterior capsule. You may dislocate them right in the office. So be careful, be gentle, start with light pressure every single time when you're manual muscle testing or when you're doing passive range of motion, just be gentle. And then as you go along, if they're comfortable with that, then you can increase the intensity of your evaluation. Don't forget to rule out the cervical spine. This is something I do every time. And I'm going to go over this in a little bit when I talk about the process that I like to use when I evaluate shoulders. But you really need to know your reflex testing, sensation, manual muscle testing, and all that stuff to rule out a cervical spine lesion. When you evaluate the shoulder, think three-dimensionally, okay? see inside that joint. When I'm evaluating shoulders, I'm thinking whenever I do a, a near impingement test, I think about what's happening. The, the greater tubercle is impinging the soft tissues between the tubercle and the acromion. And uh, so you need to be thinking about what is it you're testing when you are testing it. Okay. That is super important. I think too many people just go through the motions of doing evaluations and doing special tests and not really realizing what structures they are affecting or utilizing uh, at that time or testing. So uh, remember that don't depend on special tests alone. Okay. I've seen many, many people get themselves in trouble with this. And to be totally honest with you, when I'm evaluating shoulders, I use special tests kind of as almost my last resort. I do all kinds of other things, and I'll talk to you about that in the process here in a second. But um, you need to remember that special tests, they're just there to kind of, you know, put the icing on the cake, as, as I would say it with, with patients. And then the last thing that is super important that you need to know as far as the rules of evaluating patients is you need to know your anatomy. If you don't know your shoulder anatomy, you don't even touch the patient, okay? The anatomy is the basis to everything, manual muscle testing, understanding why reflexes work, understanding why people have loss of motion in certain positions and why they fail certain special tests. Okay. So that is very, very important. Um, and you know, to be honest with you, I've been at this for over 25 years now and I still open up a book once in a while to take a look at anatomy just to see, you know, sometimes I see diagnoses and injuries that are not something that I commonly see all the time, you know, like I don't see bank art lesions very often in, in my neck of the woods. But the uh, the last video that I put up on our uh, YouTube channel, uh, I'm quite certain that this gentleman probably has a bank art lesion. And so, uh, you know, we, we don't see it very often. So those are a little bit harder to test. So it's very important that you, you break open the book if you need to consult with your colleagues about it and say, hey, what do you think about this? Just to get a second set of eyes on it. All right. So Let's talk about the process that I like to use when doing evaluations of the shoulder, okay? And I love doing the shoulder. I see tons and tons of shoulders. I've given lectures, um, seven-hour lectures on shoulder evaluation and treatment. And um, I, I love the shoulder. I think it's a very dynamic structure. Uh, it was one of my most challenging joints when I was in college to study and understand. But once I got the feel uh, and with the with the help of some mentoring, um, I was really able to, to skyrocket to doing better shoulder shoulder evaluations. And, um, you know, that's another thing is, is is trying to learn this on your own can be a long process, especially if you don't see a lot of these cases all the time. So, you know, find yourself a mentor and uh, that can take years of the learning curve 
um, off and really make you more efficient. And, uh, and when, when you're more efficient and you get to a diagnosis better, you can treat that patient better and your patient's going to be a lot happier and have more confidence in you. So, you know, that's a, that's something I wanted to bring up today. So this is what I like to do when I evaluate shoulders. I always start with a cervical spine screen. I do a lot of cervical spine work here, uh, and uh, I also do a lot of lumbar spine work. But as, as far as the, the cervical spine, I've done some research and um, and really enjoy the cervical spine. I understand it quite well, especially when it comes to nerve root compression and radiating pain or referred pain from the cervical spine. So you start by asking the right questions. Do you have any tingling in your arm, any numbness going down your arm? Did you strike your neck or, or injure your neck uh, in you know when you had this injury? injury. Um, and, and those types of questions that can kind of help rule in or rule out a nerve root compression. Um, you know, things like, are you having unusual headaches at this time? And that those are all things that you need to remember that the cervical spine can be contributing to, uh, in the shoulder. I always test deep tendon reflexes. I've got a reflex hammer in my back pocket constantly. So always test C5, C6, C7, make sure that uh, those are in check. I also check sensation and I do manual muscle testing right away. So I'll do the intrinsics. I'll do the okay sign, wrist extension, wrist flexion. Um, and I'll even uh, do a little biceps and triceps. Usually those don't affect the shoulder all that much. And so I will start with that. The next thing I do is I have my patient, I, I'll ask my patient, I'll say, put a finger exactly where it hurts. Now, when people come in with shoulder dysfunction, it's kind of funny because they'll say, oh, yeah, I have this pain right up here in my shoulder. And and to me, that is more the cervical spine. Um, or they'll point way back to the shoulder blade or they'll point to the front of the shoulder. So it's very important. You tell your finger, put a finger on where it hurts the most, you know, and they may, you know, put it right on that AC joint. And it's simple as that. You know, you do a couple of tests and you can identify they have an AC joint problem. Um but that is important. So you can kind of start by localizing where that is. Then I'll ask about a mechanism of injury. So, you know, things like, um, oh, it just, just kind of came on on its own. Well, I, I'm not suspicious that they have a shoulder dislocation. Okay. So that can really help streamline where you go with your uh, evaluation and diagnosis. So I always ask them the mechanism of injury. Were you cranking on a lawnmower and you got a compression stroke and it stopped suddenly? Those are common uh, activities that will cause a rotator cuff tear. Um, you know, falling with an outstretched arm behind you can, it can cause a bank heart lesion and or a labral issue. Uh, so, you know, knowing the mechanism can be uh, very helpful. Sometimes it, it, it can't help at all. Like my last gentleman that I had who I uh, suspect has a bank cart tear, uh, rolled his snowmobile, was thrown over an embankment, and he tumbled in many different directions and can't really remember what position his arm was in uh, when uh, everything was all said and done. So that can make it a little more challenging. But there are other things that we can do to help fine-tune this a little bit. So the next thing I do is I like to go in there and palpate very gently just to get an idea where the location is and what structures it is we are working with, okay? I don't palpate very hard because once you start to stimulate those C-fibers, everything becomes generally sore and it makes it a little more difficult for them to isolate and pinpoint the area of uh, dysfunction. So I do a little bit of palpation. And then the interesting thing, and I don't think a lot of people would agree with me with this, but I like to start with active range of motion. I like to see if there's a little compensation to that shoulder or how far they can actually lift the arm. Um, it's, it's amazing. Some people will have massive rotator cuff tears and lift that arm overhead like there's nothing. And then they can have a small impingement and they can't lift that hand off their, their leg. Um, it's just incredible. So I take a look at that active range of motion first. 
Then I take them through passive range of motion to see if we can get more range just to make sure they don't have like an adhesive capsulitis or something like that. Um, and then from there, I get into some manual muscle testing. So once I see what their motion looks like, I see how sore they are and what positions uh, they're sore in, then I go with some gentle manual muscle testing. Uh, and we've talked about which muscles uh uh, control certain motions in the previous podcast. And, and that's where, you know, understanding your anatomy is super important. And now I jump into the special tests. Okay. So once I've done my manual muscle testing, active passive range motion, palpation, all that stuff, I'll then get into the special test. So here is where I want to kind of just pause for a second and, and talk about the difference between the evidence in special testing of the shoulder and experience with special testing of the shoulders. So I want to give you a little example here. And I do this whenever I give CME lectures on shoulders because so many people say, you know, especially young therapists and, and young providers come out with evidence, 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 evidence-based, this evidence-based, that. And there is a great place for evidence-based practice. But think about it this way, okay? Let's say a patient has torn the rotator cuff. There are many, many types of tears to the rotator cuff. They could tear the subscap, supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor. They could tear one. They could tear two. They could tear all four. Um, they could have linear tears. They have full thickness tears, partial thickness tears. And uh, there could be other combinations of, of injuries with this, you know, like shoulder instability or maybe even a Hillsack's lesion, uh, a, a biceps tear, or maybe even fraying of the biceps. Every patient has a different scenario. Okay. So it's not like it's perfect and it's very easy to identify because they have different diagnoses. Then to throw this into the picture, we have different orthopedic surgeons who do different surgeries. Okay. They all have different techniques. They sew differently. They may have a different approach to treating certain types of tears. Um, and then you have different healing rates, okay? If you're 18 years old versus uh, 75 years old, the healing rate's going to be different. Are you a smoker or non-smoker? Um, so the tissue will heal differently. So you have all of these factors, and, and all of these surgeons have different protocols. It's incredible. I could take the same person with a, a medium-sized rotator cuff tear and and ask five different orthopedic surgeons for their protocols and they're all completely different. It's absolutely amazing. So with experience, I have found that there are certain criteria that you should meet when you progress certain patients with certain diagnoses. And that's a whole lecture in itself. But I just want to talk a little bit about here about how, you know, some evidence can be helpful, but really to be honest with you, when it comes to evaluating shoulders, I think experience trumps the evidence hands down. All right. And so I'm going to take you to this, this nice little research article I had come across and it was Siasia uh, et al. Uh, at the Journal of Athletic Training uh, back in 2012. It did this beautiful article and it was, what they did was they surveyed 71 uh, members of the American Shoulder and Elbow Society. And what they did is they gave them a list of 122 special tests for the shoulder. Okay. Now, I had no idea that there were even more than like 30 tests. It's crazy. Um, but there are apparently 122 tests for the shoulder. And they looked at nine different shoulder conditions. And they asked them to say either yes or no, if they used a special test or not. Okay. Well, come to find out of all of these shoulder specialists and elbow specialists, they only use 20% of these tests. All right. So I have this article. I have I have the um, the link in my show notes. 
you need to go to this, okay, because it's going to give you a nice list of which tests that most of these uh, specialists use most oftentimes. Interestingly enough, they happen to be a lot of the tests that I've used over time. I've tried all kinds of stuff. I found some to not be very accurate or sensitive and uh, or specific. And so I ended up using what helped. What I find most beneficial is doing a special test, especially one that I like, tacking on manual muscle testing, and listening to the patient's complaints. Okay, that can really, really tell me a lot of, of what's going on with the patient. So, um, with that in mind, I mean, if you if you look at, you know, 71 members of the American Shoulder and Elbow Society, like 20% of the 122 tests out there for nine different problems, um, it's something you need to look at because they have used these because they see many, many, many shoulders. They have lots and lots of experience and they found what works for them and what is diagnostically accurate. So, with that being said, those are most of the tests that I like to use. There are a few in there that... These folks like to use that I don't particularly care for, um, but I have been very diagnostically accurate for many years because I've been able to cut out those tests that really I find to be uh, ineffective. So let me uh, just throw out at you some of the special tests that I like to use. Um, and then what I'd like to hear is uh, from you folks, okay? Go over to our uh, our website at orthovalpal.com and um, there's the Get in Touch page. I'll have a link in the show notes on this. Get in there and give me your special test if there's anything that uh, is different than what I have uh, put up here today. And uh, tell me why you like those special tests. If there's something that really um, fine tunes it for you and really uh, I- I'd love to hear about that. that. That'd be great to have. And then I could bring that to, um, you know, other shows that we're going to be having. So let me go over some of the um, the favorites that I have. Number one, when it comes to impingement, I love to do the empty can near and Hawking Kennedy test. I really like doing that. On top of those tests, I like to ask the patient at night, when you roll over into your shoulder, does it hurt? Or does your shoulder hurt in any position that you're in? If they just hurt when they roll over and these tests are positive, then I'm thinking more impingement. Okay. Um, I also like the apprehension test and relocation test. I just put up a a great video on YouTube. Um, You're going to like this. This is is the gentleman who fell off the snowmobile, injured his shoulder. Um, He has a real positive apprehension and relocation test. And earlier in my videos, in my playlist, I have my son in there who had a uh, large, very large bank heart lesion who um, had a very positive apprehension and relocation test. I find those to be uh, very helpful. Only thing that I, um, I, I, I'm not sure about and I'm going to uh, inquire about is I've also seen people who have slap lesions who have a positive um, apprehension sign and relocation test. So I think that, you know, when you get into that position, if you have a little bit of instability and it stresses the glenoid labrum, um, doing those tests can also be indicative of a labral injury. So keep that in mind. Um, as far as posterior instability, I like you doing the jerk test. We, I've not seen too many posterior instabilities. I've seen thousands of shoulders, but just not a lot of posterior instability. Um, they do exist. And I have seen some folks with a positive jerk test. Um, as far as the super, the uh, I'm sorry, the subscapularis 
I like testing uh, the bear hug test, the belly press test, the lift off. Um, and I find those to be very, very helpful as far as uh, identifying a subscapularis tear and uh, resisted internal rotation. I always throw that in there and palpation to the lesser tubercle. They usually go through the roof of that and you can really isolate those. Um, they're a little more rare than the, um, than the external rotators, uh, subscap, I mean the uh, supraspinatus, infraspinatus, and teres minor, uh, but they exist and I've actually seen a fair number of them recently. So um, as far as uh, rotator cuff tears, I like doing the empty can test. I also like to uh, manual muscle test these folks. External rotation, abduction, flexion, and I look at the amount of compensation they have with the shoulder. But the empty can test to me is the most beneficial. I don't like the drop arm test. I think there are many shoulder problems that will cause you to drop the arm uh, when it's put in that position. Uh, it's being impinged a little bit and, um, and the rotator cuff shuts down. And, and so I, I really don't like that test, but maybe there are other people out there that do. Um, let me know if you do. Um, I also, uh, as far as uh, AC joint injuries go, I like to check out the cross-body adduction test. I find that's to, that to be one of the most accurate tests out there. Um, and then I touched that up with palpation to the area. And I also do the uh, O'Brien active compression test. And I just put that video up on YouTube on how to uh, perform that test. And I uh, really like that and find that to be quite accurate. And um, so as far as biceps tendonitis, I like to do the speeds test. I don't see too many people who have uh, biceps dislocation or subluxation and that you would test with a Jurgensen. So I do test with a Jurgensen if I'm somewhat suspicious or if they have a lot of crepitus in the shoulder, especially with internal external rotation. But the speeds test, I do that test to identify uh, if they have a proximal long head of the biceps tendonitis. And then I will palpate. I'll get into the groove. That will typically be sore for people. But you need to remember, you know, the uh, the bursa is close by, the subchromial space is there, the rotator cuff is close by, and so it's it's easy to mix that up. So the way I differentiate a biceps tendonitis from everything else is that I follow the biceps tendon down the groove, and then I get all the way down into the musculotendinous junction, and that's where I find they uh, they're still really tender down along the tenosynovium into that musculotendinous junction, and that's when I would diagnose them with a biceps tendonitis. Um, I've seen people with biceps tendonitis not really have a lot of discomfort with uh, resisted biceps or resisted supination, but I always test that also to see if they're uh, torn or not. Um, so I will use that test also. I like using the O'Brien test for uh, labral tears or slap lesions, and uh, I find that to be uh, very helpful when identifying that. I always ask the patient where their pain is. If it's posterior, it's likely to be a labral issue. If it's more anterior and superior, it's uh, more likely to be the um, O'Brien uh, compression test. So, uh, you know, make sure that you ask them where that pain is, and um, I find that to be very helpful. I also have uh, videos on that. And then when it comes to uh, scapular issues, I watch the scapula as I have people do active range of motion. If I'm suspicious of a long thoracic nerve palsy, I have them do a wall push-up. Uh, but what I even like to do uh, better than that is I like to take one hand and put it in the center part of their thoracic spine. I have the patient stick the contralateral arm out and like they're saying stop. And I push back against that. So in an axial load and they're trying to push and you'll see the scapula. Uh, scapula wing at that point. Um, and then and that, and after that, what I would do is I would hold the scapula down and have them do active range of motion to find that they typically uh, are stronger and have better range of motion. So lots of stuff on special tests. Um, like I said, 
don't get overwhelmed with special testing. I think it should be just an adjunct to what you do when you're evaluating your patients. Know your anatomy, do good manual muscle testing, clear the cervical spine, and you'll be in great shape. If you want to see a bunch of special tests, go over to my YouTube channel and I have, go right to my playlist and I have it on shoulder special tests. You can, uh, you can take a look at those. I have videos and explanations. So it's not just, you know, what is the specificity and what is the sensitivity of a certain test, Okay. I get in there and I'm going to explain to you why I like to use that certain test, what it's testing, and it's not just going to be robotic, okay? And so please feel free to ask questions about these tests. Um, I, I think that we should all know them, but I don't think we should be completely dependent on them. So um, next week, we're going to have a special guest. We're going to have Dr. Stephen Thompson, who is an orthopedic uh, shoulder specialist uh, and sports specialist at Eastern Maine Medical Center. He's going to be with us. We're going to be talking about shoulder instability. Talking about the indications for surgery, uh, the importance of conservative management, and um, you know what kind of diagnostic testing should we be looking for when we identify patients who have an instability. So uh, make sure you uh, you stay tuned and uh, check out that podcast. That's going to be great. And um, please feel free to uh, get in touch with us. Make sure that you uh, go to uh, iTunes. Please leave us a rating and review. That really helps with our exposure to uh, iTunes and um, and our ratings. And so far, we've had some uh, some nice reviews. So I really appreciate those of you who have taken the time to uh, go out there and uh, do that. And uh, so again, um, help me keep this going. I really enjoy uh, the podcasting and all the education we're putting out there for everybody. Um, so I really hope you guys have a great day and um, we'll see you at the next podcast. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there. 